Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Hey, everybody, welcome into another edition of the Lombardi Line, live from downtown Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook Studios. I'm Ben Wilson, joined by Michael Lombardi himself on the East Coast. A lot for us to get into today. Michael, we'll get your take on Monday Night Football since you were not with us yesterday. But first, big news in the world of baseball. See this? Aaron Judge, nine years, $360 million deal, highest annual salary by a position player in baseball history, headed to the Yankees staying there in the Bronx. Uh, what are your thoughts there as the former executive? Well, I mean, look, I don't know how you don't uh, – the year that he had, the way that he played, uh, the reason they didn't get to the World Series and win the World Series wasn't because of him. It was because they're pitching, you know, and obviously they need better timely hitting. But, I mean, did they have any choice, really? I mean, th- that's not the Yankees just to flinch on pricing, right? I mean, that's not who the Yankees are. They can't flinch on pricings. And I think the Giants helped to uh, escalate this a little bit in terms of their interest. It would have been interesting to see if Judge would have taken that deal. I think he wanted to be a Yankee his whole career. God bless him. I, I just never thought he was going to leave. I thought the Yankees mm-hmm. would pay. How do you how do you feel being a San Francisco Giant fan today, where there was the well, you, premature you know, you, report on his signing there? It well, ends up being you, false. When you when you enter into these things, you always know that you could be the you could be the jockey that's going to determine that's going to pace the race, right? You know, it's the hardest thing to do when the the way players make the most money in contract negotiations and free agency is when the home team wants them. And part of the agent's job is to convince these other teams that the home team still wants them. Mm-hmm. And part of the team's jobs are to figure out if the home team actually does want them. And so when the home team's involved, you know the chances of you getting the player are probably not very good unless you significantly overpay. Mm-hmm. But when you're going up against the Yankees, it's kind of hard to overpay when they're in the game. You know that. You know? Is and so, that is you team. know, the great, the great Warren Buffett said, when anytime you enter a poker game, you got to figure out who the, who, the, who the patsy is in the poker game, right? And if, if you can't figure it out, then it's you. And so that's the way negotiations are in these situations, right? You got to figure out what you're dealing with. You knew the Giants were in it. If if you're Cashman, you knew the Giants were in it only to escalate the price. 
you know, and you just got to just sit there and say, okay, I'm going to keep my chips on the table. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams want to go and say, well, we want a hometown discount. That That's just a media conversation. Nobody gets a hometown discount. Not a real thing anymore. And GM Brian Cashman had just gotten an extension as well a couple days ago. So that, that does feature quite nicely. Again, though, Aaron Judge back to the Yankees, nine years, $360 million. Speaking of GMs, where Brian Cashman gets his extension in baseball, our big news, too, at least from the executive world in the NFL, Michael, broke yesterday on your one-off day. So let's get your thoughts here. John Robinson out of Tennessee. Pretty peculiar timing, right, when it's week 14 in the season and Tennessee does lead the division. What do you make of that move? Well, I think a lot of this has to go back to that DUI that Todd Dowling had uh, coming home from Green Bay. You know, there's no alcohol allowed on NFL airplanes. And somehow, you know, Todd Dowling got a DUI leaving from, and I don't know if he stopped at a bar. I don't want to judge here, but there's something suspicious about that, right? And that leads me to believe, because Robinson and Vrabel just got contract extensions last year. If Robinson was going to get fired based on his poor drafting, it would have happened a lot sooner than now, right? I mean, because he hasn't really drafted very well. And we all know Vrabel overcomes a lot of the sins of their personnel department. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's one thing about John, he's hit a home run with Henry, made a great trade with Tannehill. You know, he's done – Jeffrey Simmons was a really good pick only because he was coming off the ACL that he lasted that long in the draft. But he's had so many misses that if they were going to fire him for something other than personnel, that, that he would have never got an extension. So, for me, this smells like he's in charge of the organization – he oversees it. The owner puts him in place to maintain the integrity within the rules and the framework of the NFL. And now as we're going to get this investigation on what happened, how did Ty Dowling have alcohol in his system and get stopped on the way home after celebrating from Green Bay, it all roads lead back to Robinson. <clears throat> and that is still an ongoing investigation for for the offensive coordinator and Todd Downing still remains the team's OC. I mean, it's an I mean, ongoing investigation there. for the media, right? For for the, but I have a feeling that this move concludes mm-hmm. the investigation. So, yeah, so you're thinking I think as the we, owner yes, before it gets yeah, put I out think, there to the media, there's a lot that that is now known by Amy Adams Strunk, the current owner there for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, th- th- to me, look, one thing I learned working for Al Davis for that law, whatever. There's a reason behind everything, right? And the re- if the reason were his bad drafting, he would have never got an extension because he he wasn't a he just didn't become a bad drafter. He's been a bad drafter, right? He's been a bad drafter. He hasn't been a great personnel guy for the Titans. They've overcome. They, they've always been a team that we've often said here they're not very talented, but Ben Vrabel's a great coach. Mm-hmm. What about the videos? And I think the, uh, yeah, I think the other ahead. thing. I think the other thing too. As a general manager in the league, I think the last thing you can do is embarrass your head coach. So when Vrabel came out last year and said, A.J. Brown's not going anywhere, and then two days later he gets traded, that's not good. That's not good for the relationship between Robinson and Vrabel. That's exactly what I was going to ask you about because we saw the video resurface yesterday, draft night, when it was announced, the trade. 18th overall pick, which Tennessee used for Traylon Burks in exchange for A.J. Brown, and there were some other pieces as well going to Philadelphia. The reaction from Mike Vrabel, it was like a man trying so hard to hide his utter contempt and disgust while knowing he was on camera. And the timing here of getting torched by A.J. Brown in the rematch, or his first meeting against Tennessee since being traded, runs runs and uh, and throws and passes all over uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles last week. Huge game there for the Eagles, who passed for 380 yards. 
Do you feel like there was anything to that with the timing that it was so exposed in such an immediate fashion there with Brown facing the Titans? No, I, I think a lot of this has to do with <clears throat> Vrabel being embarrassed. I mean, that really came down to just a little bit of money, right? The Eagles didn't pay him a hell of a lot more than what the Titans were offering him, you know? And so that that decision was bad. But I think a lot of this has to do with running the organization, the culture within the building, what happened on that airplane coming back from Green Bay. Celebrate. I think a lot of that has to do with that. Yeah. It's just wild to see, though, for a first-place 7-5 and five team, week 14 of the year. And but they're in first place GM. because of him. They're not in first place yes. because of their talent. I mean, look, this is a team we talk about every week. You know, the – if, if Matt LaFleur were coaching the Titans, what do you think their record would be? <laughs> uh, we could, you could at the very least flip that thing. Uh, and before, I mean, I would have said uh, after week 11, two straight losses for Tennessee, now 7-5, and five, I would have said flip the record before then. So 3-7 and seven, uh, heading into the last two games, most likely. I mean, likely. yeah, like this is not a talented team. I mean, they got – look at their offensive line. It's a disaster. I mean, they beat Washington this year, and, I, and it, 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 when I watched that game – I'm like, how is Tennessee going to win this game? They made the play at the end. Wentz throws the interception. I mean, Washington beat them up physically up front. It was embarrassing. And the fact that they went into Kansas City with Malik Willis as your backup quarterback and got it to overtime, I mean, this is why Vrabel's so good. And I don't think Vrabel wants to be the, the run the organization, but I don't think he wants to get blindsided like he mm -hmm. did by A.J. Brown. Totally fair point to, to look at. And for Tennessee now, four-point favorites against Jacksonville this week. I laugh, Michael, because it's the matchup of the team with no personnel that's overperformed due to great coaching all year in Tennessee and the Jacksonville side, which is the team who has a lot of talent, a lot of young, promising upside, yet continue to shoot themselves in the foot with poor coaching and, uh, and poor timing every single week, it seems like. So now what do you do when you get those two forces colliding in Nashville? I mean, it's really – nobody talks about it, but Jacksonville's not very well coached. I mean, let's just be clear here. I mean, it was – I, I mean – that game last week was was kind of an embarrassment to them. I mean, they just didn't – I mean, the first they turned the ball over. They played with no sense of urgency. I didn't think they were – you know, they're not in tune. You know, they had a lot of opportunities to make plays in that game. When you watch the tape of that game like I did yesterday, I mean, the Jags had opportunities. They just couldn't cash them in. And, mm -hmm. you know, they turned the ball over. They couldn't protect. And, you know, it, it was a problem. I mean, look, this is a team that – this will be the first time they play Tennessee this year. So, you know, they're, they're very inconsistent. I think the fact that they played good against Baltimore was kind of a misnomer. They played good against the Raiders, but the Raiders had opportunities at the end of that game that they didn't cash in on. So I, I, I just think to me, I, I could see why Tennessee moved away from the three and a half yeah. up to four because I think when you watch Detroit move the ball on Jacksonville at ease, at complete ease, and Goff never got touched. I mean, Goff was checking the runners at first and third. I mean, he had all day to throw in there, and they never punted. It was wild to watch. A 40-point <laughs> bomb unloaded by Detroit on Jacksonville, and the report now coming out of Jacksonville today is that Trevor Lawrence has a sprained toe. The quarterback is day-to-day, -day, listing him as questionable. Doug Peterson, the head coach, says hopeful he'll be able to give it a go Sunday. And as you mentioned, Michael, the market from three and a half now up to four on the Tennessee side. Uh, and Lawrence is sort of, uh, he's mirrored the rest of these struggles. It's been solid one week, erratic the next, and that's even that's even profiled into individual quarters. Like, he'll have a good drive or two and then look totally lost on the next one. It's, it's been very bizarre but for him. I, I mean, the last three weeks, they've been a disaster on defense. They're 29th in the league on third down defense. They're 25th in red zone defense. 
They don't really create a lot of turnovers with their defense. And, you know, they give up a ton of yards. You can run the ball on them. I mean, the only team that didn't run the ball on them was the Raiders, and they played really good run defense that day against the Raiders. But for the most part, this is a defense that has gone really downhill since the beginning of the season. I thought they were going to be much better defensively. You know, they hold Indy to 218. They hold the Chargers to 312. The Philly game kind of got away from them because of the turnovers, and Philly was able to run the football on them. But I thought they would play better in that area. But let's not forget, this is a team that lost to the Houston Texans this year too. I mean, that's on their resume. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of Lovey Smith's 23 wins over the last eight years <laughs> as a head coach. That is technically true for, for one Lovey Smith. And Jacksonville defensively, uh, even before last week, still bottom 10 in yards per play allowed on defense, bottom five in average yards per drive allowed, and that only got worse with a 40-point bomb given up to Detroit. Uh, we still have a lot more to get to, though, on the show. As we continue, Megan Payton from Wager Talk joins us to give her favorite player props for Week 14 a little bit later this hour. Harry Gagman from the Against All Odds podcast joins in hour number two. We will get Michael Sotso on Monday Night Football. What is to be expected now for Tampa and New Orleans going forward, especially for Tampa this week at San Francisco, as we are just getting started here on the Lombardi Line. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. 
Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I'm a little jealous of you, Michael, that you had a whole day off yesterday to just decompress Try to figure out what the hell we watched Monday night, and now come back out of the year. I had uh, to with, write a with, column. Yeah, well, I wrote you did. a column. You did. I don't get. I don't get days off. I just keep matriculating the ball down the field. You go. know. I mean, I could walk Bella for a longer periods of time on Tuesday. That's about the only thing I got going for me That's there. That's about it. But, I, the ode to Hank Strand. Yes. Ah, uh, it's just. I mean, from being on the air, I, it, it was hard for me to try to put into words just the idiocy that we saw on both sides of the field in, in Saints and Bucks. Uh, how, how did you try to put it into your own words, at least in, in, in the column that you wrote yesterday? Well, I was perplexed by the fact that Mark Ingram didn't get that first down. If Mark Ingram gets the first down, the game's over. Because I, I they're going to get that first down. They're going to take that clock under five minutes. There's just not going to be enough time. I don't know why he didn't get it. I, I I don't know why I didn't listen to the TV, but I was going berserk. You know, like you got to get that first down. That was the most. And then you know, once it was sec, once it was third and one, you knew they weren't going to get it. You just knew it. You know, you just kind of know that, right? You got to capture the moment at that. And look, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, Brady made the throws he needed to make. I, I thought, you know, they gave. Here's the thing I didn't understand either. I don't know where you are on this, but when Bowles punted with what five minutes to go in the game before that before that drive, right? Yes. Everybody was giving him a hard time. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. I mean, Twitter was probably exploding, but for me, the reason he didn't is because if he goes for it and doesn't get it, he lo- he's guaranteed to lose the game there. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's losing the game on that fourth down play. I mean, and this offense wasn't able to get 10 yards no matter what it was. So, now, he punts it there, and if Ingram gets the first down, we probably don't have this conversation. But the fact is, part of the job of a head coach is to keep your team in the game all the way to the end. And when you go for it on fourth and 10, whatever it was, you're, you're saying, we're, if we don't get this, we've lost the game. Because they're going to make it a nine point. They're going to make it 19 to, they're going to make it 19 to three, and the game's over. Now it's a three possession game. Right. I look. I I felt in real time like, and you, it's funny how the way you bring it up is totally fair, and it can go both ways. I felt at the time where, with an offense that had, has had what three point three yards per play at that point for Tampa, down sixteen three with seven oh three to go at the time, by punting you were essentially saying if you could not get a stop and if one first down was picked up, the the game was quite literally over. So it's like. How do you balance that, right? Do you balance what what are the odds of you getting a ten yard gain on fourth and ten at your own twenty five? versus uh, being able to get a stop. And even if you get that stop, your win probability at that point was 1.6%. So, I mean, the, it was so minuscule anyway. I mean, technically, if you don't, you know, I, the way I thought of it too, if, if you went for it and didn't get it, Michael, if you give up three, I mean, technically it's still two scores. It's 19-3. You, you know, you would need two two-point conversions. But again, the odds were long anyway. So why not just be aggressive and, and go for it in that situation and not I, I surrender the game? I completely disagree. I think it's the job of the head coach to extend the game and put the pressure on New Orleans to get first downs. You know, and, and I, I think to me, once you give it there and Will Lutz makes that field goal, we're basically done. We're, it's over. It's an onside kick game. 
It's an onside kick game. I don't want to make it an onside kick game. See, that's all I ever think about when I'm watching games is when is it going to be an onside kick game? Right. When do you score enough to make it an onside kick game? See, like when you go back and watch the Jets-Minnesota game, you know, when the Jets, the, the Jets, Minnesota never made it an onside kick game. You know, they never, they scored those seven points in the fourth quarter on one drive. They went five plays, got five first downs, 75 yards touchdown, right? But that they didn't really make it an onside kick game. Had they come back and scored after Minnesota made it 27-22, now it's an onside kick game. You follow me? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. But they never did. So for me, I, I, I think it was, to me, I, I, I think it was the right play. He had to do that. Now, we would be he would be getting ridiculed if Ingram gets the first down. Of course. And for Ingram, you talk about the onside kick game and onside kicks are what, uh, 6% of odds, if, if that, on the percentages of, of recovery over the last few years. But if Ingram, not only if he gets the first down, let's just say he stays in bounds and the Saints run on third and one. Let's, even if Ingram stays in bounds, the Saints run on third and one and don't get it, that's an extra minute 20 that would have gone off the clock. Where when you think about when the Bucks scored, it was with three minutes to go. Those one minute, 20 seconds go off the clock or presumably Tampa's forced to use timeouts there instead. It likely be, doesn't it become an onside kick game in that situation anyway, even yeah. if the Saints don't get the first down, because likely that touchdown would have happened in, under the two minute warning if that would have been the case there for Ingram and the Saints. Well, I mean, Ingram catches the ball over in the flat, right? I mean, he's got there. He's got to stay in bounds. He's a smart guy. He's been around the league a hundred times. Why he went out? I thought he got hurt. I, I thought he got, I thought like he pulled a hamstring or something to make him run out of bounds. I mean, I don't know if you can blame that on the coach. That that was, to me, a player error, mm -hmm. a huge player error for a veteran guy that that should know the game, you know. And so, and then they get the ball back, and they get the ball at the Tampa 9, and next thing you know, Brady's kind of moving it down the field. You know, you're not going to be able to pressure Brady to get the ball out of his hands. And then they get the ball back, you know, and you knew that if they had to run the ball, if they had to run the ball, they couldn't do it. I mean, Taysom Hill drops that pass. On third and 17, I mean, look, he makes that catch, game's over. So many what-ifs for, for New Orleans. Always, think but that's about, the NFL, uh, right? That is the NFL. Nope, in, in a nutshell, it is. And Tampa, it, it, as you say, it completely changes now the narrative going forward as our focus becomes on the ineptitude of New Orleans down the stretch versus Tampa for the first 55 minutes of the game. And the Bucks get a win 17-16. Now they'll have to go on the road, and we'll find out pretty quickly uh, what the list, the step up in class going to a, a team in San Francisco that's a top five defense, albeit one with a third string quarterback now in there and, and Brock Purdy. Uh, we'll get to the Jimmy G element of this going forward because it won't be an impact this week. But for San Francisco laying three and a half at home against Tampa and Tom Brady, how do you interpret what we're going to see here in the market? I mean, I don't, I mean, I know Tampa won on Monday night, but I wasn't impressed with Tampa at all, right? Again, you know, Brady's not comfortable within the offense. And against San Francisco, it's going to be even harder because it, they're going to pack the middle of the field and it's going to make it hard for Brady. Brady, like I've said on this show many times, how many times did you watch Brady throw deep balls in that game and just didn't connect? The, Brady mm -hmm. is not a great nine-route thrower. He's never been. He's a, the greatest quarterback of all time, but that's not his strength. His strength is throwing the ball in the middle of the field. And they don't have enough middle of the field. I mean, that's why everybody's – why isn't Mike Evans getting the ball? Because Mike Evans doesn't run the routes that Brady throws the best. That's why. You know, Mike – every great outside receiver – I mean, even Deion Branch ran inside routes. You know, Randy Moss was post routes. You know, it was deeper over routes. It wasn't on the sidelines to the boundaries. So, 
I mean, I wasn't that. I mean, I'm not like, I don't think for me, when I looked at that game, I said, oh, well, you know, now Tampa's back on track. I, I didn't think that at all. I, I didn't think that at all. I think it's kind of going to be a situation, and I have it as Kansas. I have it as, I had as a, I have it as a 4.47 game. How much you did know? you, uh, did you downgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy? A lot. A lot. I did a lot. You know, I mean, I did a lot. You had to. You have to, right? Because, but remember, and, and this is what I wrote about, like there's other ways to win games than just having this quarterback. You know, it's like they're going to play great defense. They're going to run the ball. they got to control field position. You can't have your third-string quarterback because that's really what Purdy is. I mean, it was Trey Lance and then somebody, you know. You can't have that play on long field. You can't ask that guy to get to be in third down seven times and convert all seven of them to get a touchdown. You're going to have to play on short field, so you really got to enhance your kicking game. And you've got to be able to get the other team to become one-dimensional. I mean, if Brady goes into this game and has to throw it 50 times, I don't think they win. A team that for Tampa Bay now, and this is not a new thing at all, Michael, still bottom 10 across most metrics in the NFL, yards per play, yards per drive, points, you name it. It's not a good offense. How are they getting to 17? Team total right now, I'm seeing now shaded down to 15 and a half. How is Tampa scoring 17 against this 49er defense? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, that's a great question. And I think the 49ers – now, we got to check the health of the Tampa secondary. But, I mean, how many throws – I mean, Andy Dalton played really good the other night. He played really good the other night. Alave has a drop that cost him three points. Taysom Hill has a drop that cost him the winning game. Mark Ingram doesn't run out, runs out of bounds. I mean, this Saint team had more than enough opportunity to win that game. And I think 49ers are better than the Saints. And Brock Purdy, 25-37, 210 and a couple scores, a 210 uh, on the, through the air and a couple touchdowns in his uh, legitimate debut coming off the bench. First start will come up, though, and we'll see now on the Jimmy G news. I mean, he might not be actually done for the year. That's a topic we'll get into a little bit later in the show with that uh, with that foot surgery he's going to have. But the, the door is still open for a potential Garoppolo return a little bit later on. Right now, the 49ers minus three and a half in the market, 37, one of your lowest totals of the year right now. When we return, time to check in with Megan Payton from Wager Talk. Megan has some player props. She's ready to hand out and deliver for week 14 in the NFL. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VSIN.com slash podcast, where we have a fresh episode of the GM Shuffle with Michael and Femi Abebefe up now. There's also Beating the Book with Gail Alexander and Pro Football Betting. Plus, we have Hardwood Handicappers, Follow the Money, and many more. They're all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. I heard it was a very uh, very energetic podcast Monday morning with Femi there, Michael. You guys had just a few topics. Too, oh, right? I got to get my man <laughs> Femi. You know, he's he's holding a he's holding a Tua ticket underneath his seat. He just won't admit it for MVP. <laughs> I know he's got one. He won't admit it. Hey, breaking news from Adam Schefter before we bring Megan Payton and yep. – uh, uh, Von Miller out for the year, ACL tear. Wow. wow. So, the, you know, the Bills are not going to get any help from their pass rush coming back with Von Miller. You know, they signed him to a huge contract, hopefully to give him, get him over that hump with the pass rush, and unfortunately he didn't stay healthy. Mm. Tough break for, uh, for yes, a Buffalo uh, linebacker core anchored by Von Miller. Uh, what, will, what will they look like now the rest of the way? 
And uh, Miller, at least in the Bills here, nine and a half point favorites against the Jets. We haven't seen the market move. He was, again, already going to be on IR, so that will not change anything with the line. But that is very significant uh, considering a Super Bowl contender like the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's bring in Megan Payton right now. So nice of her to rejoin us. There's Megan from uh, from L.A., uh, outstanding betting analyst for Wager Talk. Megan, it's been awesome to uh, to see your work here since joining them this fall. Uh, we, we were talking Saints last segment, though. Uh, you, I remember we you had you on preseason. You love the over on the Saints, and yet yet yeah. another late game mismanaged loss. Uh, it, it seems like they should be right there, and yet uh, it's just it's just not working out there for the Saints. Well, first of all, hi Ben, hi Michael. I appreciate you guys having me on here on Wednesday. And and you're absolutely right. There's, you know, we kind of get to this point in this season where we look back at the statements that we made preseason, week one. Some are right, some are wrong. And uh, one aspect that I was definitely wrong on was the New Orleans Saints. And it's been disappointing to watch them. You know, being that it's a team very close to home, you you root for them, you want them to do well, and yet it just it seems like they're close, but it's just not working. Now, that was a heartbreaking uh, loss this past week against the Bucks, And I said this before, the Saints have done really well against Tampa in years past. The Saints were 4-1 going into last week's game. Now, of course, they can't get it done. I'm, I'm hurting for this New Orleans team. I, I think this the season's kind of over, but it is funny when you look at the South. There is still a possibility that they make it into the playoffs with just how bad the NFC South has been as a whole this season. Yeah, I mean, they don't make it. They got Atlanta while coming off the bye. They still have Carolina. They go to Cleveland and Philadelphia. The Philly game might be meaningless. I mean, Philly might rest their players starting at the first of the year because of how everything locked up. But it was. and You know, I mean, what, what I think gets lost a little bit in the Saints conversation, they've had so many injuries, you know. Yeah. They, their first-round pick, Penning, was on IR. Now he's back. Lattimore's been hurt. I mean, they've got so many guys that they haven't been able to get any con- continuity going in. Probably the, the most disheartening thing about the Saints this year is Camaro hasn't been the Camaro that we've known and loved in the past. And if he's not operating at a high level, it's it's really hard for the Saints offense to go. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I no completely question. agree. Uh, and Megan, for those who don't know, her dad, Sean, used to coach the Saints for quite some time. Only won a Super Bowl there. And it was, was pretty good. And now, uh, yeah, Saints struggling right now, out of the well out of the playoff picture at, at the moment at 4-9. and nine. Team they just played, though, Megan, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as Michael and I talked about last segment, now go to San Francisco off the come from behind win, catching three and a half, facing a elite, elite defense. And so from both sides here, from the player prop standpoint, what do you do first for a, a Tampa offense that has looked so disjointed now with a big step up in class going up against elite, an elite defense there in the Niners? Well, guess who we saw back? Lenny. Leonard Fournette can run the ball. Who would have known? Rashad White and Leonard Fournette together. It was working out uh, last week against the Saints, so I hope that they can bring that. They're going to want to bring that against a 49ers defense, though, that is top in the league. The interesting thing here, you know, I, I think most people are a little bit forgetting about the Bucks because the big news for this game is quarterback Brock Purdy, mm-hmm. Mr. Irrelevant. He's getting a shot. This is going to be quite interesting for a Niners team that really has a good chance at making a long run in the postseason, even with Jimmy G out for the year or potentially coming back for the NFC Championship if they do make it there. The Niners still have the third best odds to win the NFC, and they have the fifth best odds to win the Super Bowl. If there's one team that can handle this significant quarterback change late in the season, it is the Niners. Brock Purdy is going to be surrounded with some of the most elite talent in the NFL. 
NFL. You've got star-wide receivers in Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, fantastic running backs in Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey. You've got one of the best uh, left tackles in the league in Trent Williams protecting you. A great fullback, a great tight end, and the number one defense in the league. I'm looking at Purdy this week to kind of show us what he's made of. You've heard NFL scouts say before that he's a different player when he gets a rhythm going. He's got this chance now. He is used to playing with NFL talent. He was with running back Brees Hall at Iowa State. He was a four-year starter. His teammates called him a great leader. I'm excited for Purdy to get this chance to kind of step up and continue with this Niners success. You know, I agree, Megan, and I'm not giving up on the Niners. I mean, look, since they came, since before the bye when they beat the Rams, you know, they've, they've forced nine turnovers. They've only committed two. So they're plus seven. So they've really cleaned that up. No team can run the ball on them. I mean, the Bucks. this will be a 50-pass game for, for to me for Brady. It's going to have to be because they're not going to be able to run the ball on this front. But I think what Purdy has an advantage that nobody talks about is the 49ers are built for yards after the catch. Samuel, great with the ball in his hands. McCaffrey, great with the ball in his hands. Ayuk, Kittle. He doesn't have to be a hero. All he's got to yeah. do is complete eight, eight or nine-yard passes, and these guys will turn him into 25-yard gains. And so That's if he exactly just plays right. within himself. Yeah, you don't have to worry about – being this elite Patrick Mahomes player. That's not the way that the Niners offense is set up right now. Brandon Ayuk literally was called yak in college for yards after the catch. Mm -hmm. He just can't mess it up. The one issue I think, you know, if you're a Niners fan, you're not celebrating the fact that Jimmy G's hurt. This is a loss. The one area that we're going to see from Brock Purdy is can he handle the red light? Can he handle that pressure of going out on the field and keeping it calm and collected? He doesn't have to throw deep balls, but he can't mess it up. I think the Niners are very much still in it. And if there's a time to bet on the Niners in the futures market, I take it now because I think that this San Francisco team is built for the long run. Just remember a week ago, they and Philadelphia were co-favorites at around uh, plus right. 240, two and a half to one. You're seeing the Niners now drift out to about four and a half to one. Could be a, a buy low point in the market if you missed any of the early numbers when the Niners were in that eight or uh, or nine to one range. Megan, another team that is right there and is is quickly rising up the general power ratings and up the futures market is the Cincinnati Bengals after knocking off Kansas City as home underdogs last week. Divisional rematch now with a Cleveland team that smacked the Bengals around on a Monday night uh, right before their own bye a few weeks ago. Uh, what's your angle here looking at, uh, at the way Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase now do seem to be back on the right page with uh, Chase here healthy and into the lineup? Well, right now we're seeing this Bengals team trending massively upwards and you look at the AFC North as a whole I'd say the Baltimore Ravens are trending downwards so I'm gonna look at a Bengals team that's kind of owning the AFC North right now though they right now are not number one in that division going up against the Browns team I don't think the Bengals are gonna have too much of a problem Samaji Piran he's been fantastic with Joe Mixon out uh, Piran had over 100 rushing yards this past week so we're seeing him able to fill those shoes and Jamar Chase back in the lineup against the Chiefs last week with over 90 receiving yards I like where this Bengals team is headed it kind of reminds me a little bit of last year when we were looking at the AFC teams just like this year we're all gonna talk about the Chiefs the Bills, and we're going to forget about the Bengals, but the Bengals were able to go to the Super Bowl and make a big postseason run. I think we're going to see similar this year, and, you know, against the Chiefs, they've really done well. I like where the AFC North is headed, and I think Cincinnati's going to own this division yet again. Yeah, I do too, and I mean, when you look at their numbers, they're on a steady climb. There's no doubt their offensive line is playing better. I was really impressed with Pariah. I thought he ran hard, gave him quickness, and, you know, even though Hayden Hurst may miss this week's game, 
they still have enough weapons, and they've got to revenge that horrible loss in yeah. Cleveland where Cleveland yeah. was able to run the football on them. So that's great motivation for a team. When you lose to a team before and you don't play your best, even though you're riding high, you're going to come out and play well. I think this Bengal team has is, is shown me more toughness than I anticipated going into the year, and I think Burrow is playing at such a high level. Hard to believe, uh, Megan. Plus 115. I mean, you can still get, and you say they're second technically in the division. That's only because Baltimore has the tiebreaker. Teams have the rematch week 18. And we know Lamar Jackson is firmly in that week-to-week role with with his injury that we just saw uh, last week with the knee. So, I mean, you're still getting plus money to to win that division if that's a future angle you want to look at. I love that futures angle. And I'd even say... Look at now what that win that win against the Chiefs last week. Look what it did to the AFC standings as a whole. It bumped the Chiefs out of that number one seed. We're seeing the Bills there. The Bengals have a way to disrupt this AFC uh, conference as a whole. I like where the Bengals stand. Uh, Megan Payton again really, joining us. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Michael. Ma, I do too. I think you know they're playing well. And look, their defense has been great in the second half of these games. And credit Lou Amaromo, mm-hmm. their defense coordinator. Last week, what was impressive, if you're a Bengal fan. They got more pressure on the quarterback than they typically had all season. Yeah. That's been the one area they hadn't been great. They were against the Bengals. They were against the, the, the Chiefs. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, say, save that defensive magic for the fourth quarter <laughs> against the Chiefs last week. I'm Megan Payton, who you can follow at MeganPayton7 on the old Twitter machine. Megan, so good to see you as always. Thank you for the insights, and Thanks, we'll be Megan. sure to catch all your work there you. over at Wager Talk. Thank you guys Thank very you, much. Megan. I always love coming on. I appreciate Absolutely. you having me. We love having you as well. Uh, When we return, time to get back with more NFL Week 14 headlines. We'll also get uh, some of Michael's thoughts here as we continue to see where the market is shaping up for Week 14. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Make some midweek magic with Light the Lamp Wednesdays at BetMGM, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Place a $25 wager on any NHL player to score a goal on Wednesdays, and you'll automatically receive $2 in free bets for every goal scored in the game, up to $16. Just log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to get started. Then opt into the Light the Lamp Wednesdays promotion to receive a $2 free bet for every goal scored in the game, regardless of your prop bet's outcome. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Speaking of goals, you got to be sad, Michael. We have the World Cup break now. There's no games for a couple days. What, what are we supposed to do here really? during shows? Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I'll figure something out. I, I certainly won't watch the 76ers, I'll tell you that. They're oh, unwatchable. Boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Unwatchable. I don't know what to tell I mean, you there. How can, how, let me ask you a question, counselor, here. You're sp- I mean, I know we're not talking about <laughs> How can you be an MVP candidate and be on a team that's 12 and 12? I mean, seriously. It's a Stars League, Michael. That's, uh, that's, that's the how, NBA how as can we you know be an M- I don't know. How can you be an MVP candidate and, 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 and not carry a team? Like how how can that be? Should not happen. Giannis Antetokounmpo should win the award every single year, but you I know, mean, it's that's, like uh, that's, that's what an MVP looks like. Not yes. you know, not what this and lose to Houston at home. Can lose to Houston Rockets? Can you imagine that? Hard to put into words. <laughs> but you hey, you were right though. You said under on the win total, and it is uh, it is certainly oh, manifested it, so far. Oh, it's I, I got that one. It just I only bet as much as you're willing to win. That was a, that was a gimme, but <laughs> yeah, they're rocking frauds. Chair. Rocking chairs. So they're far. frauds. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like at some point, when will the when will the worldwide leader realize that Harden's not a superstar? And frankly, Embiid puts up great numbers, but he's not a superstar because he can't carry a team. No center can carry a team. Let me ask you a question. If you were the GM of the Denver Nuggets and you said, we'll trade you Embiid for Jokic, what do you think they would say? I, th- I think they would say, we are, we are very happy with our current center asset there right now. There you go. That, th- That's what the case closed. Yeah. Case closed. Jokic putting up pretty good numbers uh, as well. Okay. We go back to all the right, NFL. Let's go. I've, I've ran it for a mile. <laughs> no, that's, that's all. That's all right. No, no, no. It's, it's totally fine. Uh, we go back to the NFL and get into our Thursday Night Football preview. We normally save this for the end, the end of the show, but the, the news uh, really of yesterday afternoon that came out after we were done with the show uh, oh my when God. I was with Mike Pritchard. Baker Mayfield? Really? The Rams oh are doing God. this, Mike? The way... The, the way that the way that the media was alerted, you thought that you thought that they they got themselves. Drew Brees came out of retirement. I mean, seriously, did anybody watch Baker Mayfield play? I mean, Matt Rule's sitting in Lincoln, Nebraska, where they still angle park, and and he's coaching the Nebraska Huskers because he couldn't get any decent play out of his quarterback. Zero. If he did, he would have won three of the first four games. He would have. I mean, he's sitting in Lincoln now, maybe better off anyway. He has a way of working out. But, like, Mayfield was horrendous. Like, couldn't complete anything. Like, he get balls batted down. I mean, screens ins- and nothing. Now, look, I think this kind of tells you, again, what more to the conversation, Ben, is perhaps Matthew Stafford's not coming back. Maybe that back injury has got disc or spinal. I don't know what it is. 
But there has been a lot of conversation throughout the league that this Matt, Matthew Stafford wasn't going to come back. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't IR, come back, yeah. does the coach – I'm talking about next year. Right, 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 yeah. The only reason you're doing this for games is because you want to take a look at the kid and see, is he worth signing for next year? You're spending a million three for a look-see. And then you can sit there at the end of the year and say, look, I think this guy could do something for us. You know there's going to be no competition for his services because all those games that I – you know, he's one in five as a starter. His numbers were historically bad for the Panthers. So there's going to be no competition for him this offseason as a starter. There might be some as a backup, but not as a starter. I also wonder from Sean McVay's perspective as a head coach, there were, there were the reports out there from if you go back to the 2018 draft, and keep in mind at that point, Rams had Jared Goff about to enter his third year, but that McVay was in love with Baker Mayfield. If he did not already have a, a guy on a, a top draft pick on a rookie deal already on his team, he wanted to take Mayfield, who was the number one overall pick, uh, and goes to Cleveland, that there's a relationship there from the past. Uh, is there anything you think to, Mayf- uh, to at least McVay saying, all right, we're done, we're three and nine, season's over, I might be retiring, I might be taking a boatload of money to go to Amazon next year, let me just throw this guy, a, a, a guy who I like, a bone, and let's just see what happens. No, I, think, I don't think he's thinking about Amazon right now. I think he's thinking, I like this kid coming out, I liked him the way he played at Cleveland. I think he fits what we do in offensively, bootlegs and nakeds. I think he's kind of gives us a chance to at least maybe find out more about him. I think this is all about I can fix him. I think he I think this is about he fits what we do. And and you know, and I think that McVeigh feels like I can coach the quarterback. I'll get more out of the quarterback than most anybody can, so why not take a chance on him? And mm-hmm. frankly, can you argue with him? John Wolford is an under I mean, John Wolford's not going to stay healthy if he has to play any more games, right? You know, they can't run an offense with Bryce Perkins because it's really just a bunch of loose plays. So for a million three, they're basically going to rent Mayfield for four weeks and see what they come up with. The sources that told Adam Schefter, who had the report here of, of Mayfield signing with the Rams, said, there is a shot that he plays tomorrow night. Apparently, they sent him the playbook so he could study it on the plane. Realistically, how if he actually does go tomorrow night, like how many plays could he possibly have actually in? Well, the, I mean, that just tells bank. you what they think of Wolford, right? I mean, that tells you what the, if you're. I mean, first of all, you had to watch him play at Carolina, right? Where he knew what he was doing and he was bad. So <laughs> yeah. now you're going to rush him in, you know? And and the the Raiders are smart. I mean. The one thing about watching the game against Seattle, I mean, McVay ran 75 bootlegs in the game. I mean, there was every play was a boot, a naked, some form of, you know, sweets. So you're going to have to set the outside in because Baker can't throw the ball from the middle of the pocket. He can't see. He can't see, you know. And so I'm sure they're going to try to get, I don't know how it's possible, snap count, audibles, checks. Hey, we're in this, go to that, you know. I mean, look, the, 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 the offense in Carolina is different than the offense here, and I'm sure the offense in Cleveland was different. So it's a little bit of a terminology thing. Right, uh, and day-to-day is John Wolford, who we got the start last week, at least gave a little bit of life to the Rams. But, again, you're comparing him to Bryce Perkins, who just gave net a net zero against Kansas City the previous week. So there's still no certainty whatsoever as to who will play quarterback. Betting market has remained pretty stable throughout the week. Raiders minus six in SoFi Stadium where there are projected to be quite a few Raider fans uh, in that in that venue. That's the other thing. Yeah. You you put Baker out there and you know you're going to have to deal with the heart the snap count, right? You're going to have to silent count at your own stadium. 
Because I can tell you that they'll be that place will be silver and black. It will be filled with silver. I mean, this is a home game. The one thing about the Raiders playing in Los Angeles every year with the Chargers is they get nine home games. And if they have a 10th home game because of the schedule, they'll have 10. I mean, every time they play in L.A., it is an L.A. It's a Raider crowd. So they're going to have a home field advantage mm-hmm. here without a doubt. Just becomes, do you, do you feel at this point with three straight wins for the Raiders, two in overtime on the road, last week against the Chargers by seven? Are they at the point where you can trust them Laying six. Remember the last time the Raiders were laying six? It was against Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts, and they lost the game outright. Can you trust them laying a number like this? I I can't. I I really can't. I mean, because the reason you can't is because the Rams are decent in the red zone defense, and the Raiders are not great red zone offense. And so if this is a field goal game, that six is going to be a lot of points. And so when you combine the two elements, you know, the, the, the Rams don't allow you to, you know, I mean, last week the game was close because the Rams played good in the red zone and the Rams got two turnovers in, in, their, own, in their own part of the field or else the, the Seattle covers that game. I mean, Seattle moved the ball down the field. They just didn't get it in the end zone as much as they needed to. So, yeah, I think six is way too much for the Raiders. Right. Well, and Look, the Raiders are not great on defense either mm-hmm. now. Let's be clear. I mean, they've played better in, come, in the last few weeks, but this isn't a shutdown defense. I mean, they'll give up some plays, there's no doubt. And from watching the Rams-Seahawks, the way that game played out, Seahawks win by four, but in a game Seattle desperately needed to have. Rams aren't playing for anything, and it seems like half the starters from the preseason are now out for the year for L.A. It did feel like there was more emotion, a team that did get up for the game. That's obviously hard to quantify in the stats, Michael, but it, it didn't seem like a team that just yeah. packed it in. No, they played hard. I was surprised, but I thought Seattle. I thought it would be a close game to the first half, and then I thought Seattle would take the game over. And they come out the second half, and they start driving it down the field. They turn it over, you know. They turn it over, and then they turn it over again. I mean, Gino throws that ball over to Bobby Wagner, and like, what, what was that? You know, like you thought it was a catch, and then Wagner had the ball. I mean, those two drives didn't lead to any points and led to turnovers. That's really what hurt them. And then they need that last drive at the end of the game. It was one of those games where if I had to handicap it all over again, I'd still take the, I still take I would still take Seattle in the game. Right. And Seattle had ample opportunity to even cover in the game, despite the Rams being that right side and, and showing up, ultimately winning by four. For tomorrow night, Raiders minus six. This uh this this does follow fall in my category of your uh, your old uh uh, the old uh, Oates, uh, all and Oates play there, Michael. Yeah, cannot, yeah, yeah. I, cannot I can't make a play. Yeah. No way. You can't make a no play. Way. And I haven't no played chance. a Thursday game all year. There's no, there's no point on the short week. Hour number two of the Lombardi line starts next. We'll talk some AFC North, two big matchups within the, in the division this week. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.